This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 61 is brought to you by Blueberry Markets. That's right. Best customer service in the game. Trade on MT4, MT5, Forex, crypto, top 50 traded American stocks, metals. It's got everything you need. And if you click the link down below, that will take you to the blog that will tell you everything you need to know. Then if you click the affiliate link down at the bottom of the blog, you will not only get a cash bonus for signing up, but your very own personal customer service representative, which you are not going to find anywhere else. Now, having your own personal customer service representative assigned to you is not really a big deal until it is, and then it's a huge deal. So make the switch now if you haven't already. Now, this is only available to people living outside of the United States. If you're living inside the United States, I have a great broker for you too, and you will also find that down below in the show notes. And a quick side note, the Bybit No-Nonsense Forex Trading Contest starts on the 8th, so get your entries in. You can always sign up a little later if you want to, but... If you want the best chance of winning, the earlier you start, the better. Links for that are down below in the show notes as well. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and you know how much we care about the metaverse here on this podcast and how bullish we are, Uh, or at least how bullish we have been. Are we still bullish? Uh, Well, I don't know. The world seems a lot less bullish than it was before, and we are contrarians here, so what do you think? Uh, We are crazy bullish here at the podcast. Probably now more than ever for many reasons, many of which we will cover in this episode. And really, as far as long-term opportunity goes, this is probably the one thing with the highest upside we talk about on this show. But it just takes time. You know, more time than I think a lot of people with no experience or patience, i.e. young investors, really realized at the time. Uh, But good news, contrarians. A lot of that dumb money is gone, and it's not coming back, which makes the money that does come in stronger and stronger as time goes on, and we're going to talk about that as well. You know, this very well could be the next dawning of the internet, but the difference is back when the internet was first coming around, it took a while too, remember? Um, there were a lot of a lot of bumps along the way. There were so many scams that came up right at the beginning. You know, everything was really slow. You know, a lot of people were very resistant to use it. And then any time a setback came up, just like we talked about with the crypto market, it justified their reasoning for not making the move into uh, the technology that really ended up shaping the world over time. And something very similar is going on here. So one, they will come around. Two, this time around, unlike the internet days, we now can put our heads together collaborate with each other, and figure out what the best course of action is going to be. We couldn't do that back then. Or we could, but it was really, really hard. And now all I have to do is press a few buttons. So let us start to do that now. Now, a quick review um, from where we were to where we are now. Now, you can go into your favorite podcast player, or you can go into YouTube and go to this podcast and type in Metaverse, and all of these will pop up. But we have talked about the opportunity to invest in stocks, tokens, having an actual business in the metaverse, um, which some people are already doing, by the way. You know, they get to be the first ones in. Not you. But you can still be very early. And then there will be a part four to that series, which I am saving for my own personal reasons. You'll see what those reasons are in due time. 
Uh, now, once again, to define some terms, to me, there are two main types of metaverses out there. There is your open world metaverse. So think like Decentraland or Pavia, crypto voxels, places like that, to where it's just going to be a place you go with a bunch of different stuff in it, to where you're going to leave the world you're in and immerse yourself into that world and just go about your everyday life there instead. And then there is play-to-earn gaming. Now, uh, a common misconception, a lot of these games are not being built on the blockchains themselves. They're being built on traditional game engines like, you know, Unreal 4, Unreal 5, Unity, you know, whatever else is out there. And then the actual commerce system, which is the new wrinkle to uh, this world, is what's going to be built on the blockchains themselves. So since we just got done talking about the early days of the internet, let me kind of uh, play off of that and mention a few extra bull cases here. So just like the early days of the internet, you already have certain metaverse projects that are already out. So you have on the open world side, you have Decentraland and Sandbox, which I guess Sandbox is kind of a cross because you can play games on there. But to me, that's that really falls into that open world category. Um, and so far, these two have been quite successful. They've gotten a lot of corporate dollars coming in, which we'll talk about in a minute. They've got a lot of investor dollars coming into them as well because they were the first two. Now, in my opinion, neither Decentraland or Sandbox is very fun and thus will eventually fail once better open world options come into the fold. But that doesn't mean you can't make a lot of money off of them right now. That also doesn't mean I'm going to be right about the future of these two projects. All I'm saying is I've been to both, and if you're going to make a game or an open world sticky, which I really think is going to be the ultimate goal here, you need to give me a reason to come back to these open worlds at least every other day. And right now they're not doing that. You know, Decentraland especially, because I have a plot of land on Decentraland, so I do go there more just to see what's going on. And there's just not a lot of fun stuff to do. If you like NFT galleries and if you like art galleries, there's a lot of that. But even if you were an art fanatic and you had a, a great art gallery in your city, how many times a year do you even go visit it? Even if it was free, you know, three, four, five times maximum, you know, that's not going to cut it. You know, Decentraland especially has had a three-year run with no competition, and it still can't draw people in on a consistent basis. But, and here's the thing, you need these early versions of open worlds, and you need them to show a certain amount of success, which they have. Just because a podcast boy over here is not bullish on their futures, it does not mean that they haven't done a lot of great things already. In particular, draw in a lot of big corporations. You know, a lot of big, smart, successful money is coming into these early metaverse projects. Now, do I think they're going to succeed? No, because I don't think these open worlds eventually in five years are going to be the place to go. And the main reason I say that is because I also follow other projects that are way, way better that just aren't out yet. Uh, but huge banks, soft drink companies, hotels, uh, blockchain companies, definitely, liquor brands are all buying up land and setting up shop in places like Decentraland and Sandbox and even shittier projects like CryptoVoxels. 
And this is a really good thing. You know why? Because even though we are at a very dead period in the history of the metaverse, and I say this all the time, guys, you know, this is when millionaires are made during these dead periods, not when things are pumping right now. Who is coming in and who is leaving? Huge, well-capitalized corporations with track records of extreme success are coming in and moon boys are leaving. This tells me all I have to know. I do as the rich do. I do not do as the poor do. If you are not at least spending some time trying to figure out which of these projects are going to win and where to put your money down during these dead periods, you may not realize it, but you are choosing which side you want to be on. Now, you can go whichever way you want, but I've chosen mine. Now, on the play-to-earn side, we have Axie Infinity, which absolutely exploded. Now, it made a mistake and it priced out a lot of people, which a lot of these early renditions of play-to-earn games have done, especially in places like the horse racing genre. And, you know, when you do that, you're still going to have some success, but you're going to die out over time, and this is what is already happening with all these games. But they had some sick runs, and they made a lot of people very rich, not just investors, but NFT holders as well, assuming those people knew when to exit. Now, one of the really great things Axie Infinity did is it showed the world that these games can be successful. Because I don't know how much you know about Axie Infinity, but it's a dumb game. When history is written, it will be the play-to-earn games version of Pong. And I'm telling you right now, at the rate this space is growing, we're going to skip right over Atari and go straight into the next Super Mario Brothers. The next Zelda. And those aren't even good comparisons because those are single-player games. But I think if you look at it from a history and an overall timeline, you understand what I mean, right? Axie Infinity, at its peak, brought in 2.7 million players from around the world. If Pong's going to do those kind of numbers, just imagine what Super Mario Brothers is going to do. And then as things progress forward, what is Skyrim and Call of Duty going to do? Now, people say that there's going to be a resistance to this. You know, they've, they've pulled gamers now, and a lot of them don't want to go the NFT route, which I think is, one, stupid, and I'll talk about that in a moment, and two, going to be historically so incorrect. I mean, think about this. They also said if you pulled them back, you know, 15 years ago, or not even 10 years ago, you know, would you buy a game that you can just download straight from the, uh, the marketplace? And most of them said, no, no, I want to be able to hold the game in my hand because that way I know it's real. It belongs to me. I can go to GameStop and resell it for $2.50. You know, this was important to them or so they thought. And then not even two, three years later, almost every game out there was downloaded instead of actually bought in a store. Then, years later, gamers were outraged that you would have the gall to charge them any money for anything after the game was already purchased. We're talking about things like freemium now. And then what happened? You know, now all the money is not even really spent on the game. It's spent on all the stuff to make your character look the way it does and perform the way it does. And the crazy thing about that is somehow everybody is totally fine with, quote, owning these assets that they can't do anything with. They can't take them to other games with them. They cannot resell them for money. It's a one-way stream. Money goes in and does not come back out. NFTs are going to change all of that. And remember too, Contrarians, are we moving into an era of abundance like we had in the last 30 years, 
or are we moving into an era of scarcity? It's pretty clear we're moving into an era of scarcity where money is going to be hard to come by for your average person. And up until now, the only way to make money playing games was to either join an esports league, which means you had to be the top 0.0001% of all gamers alive, or you had to be a streamer, which let's be honest, most gamers do not have the ambition nor the personality to pull off. But NFTs and play-to-earn gaming will change all of that. And those who do not want to make this change will get left behind, just like they did at every other point in gaming history. You understand? Good. So let's talk about the projects I am already invested in from an NFT standpoint. So I either own land or a combination of land and other NFTs that are pertinent to the game in probably about a half dozen projects. But let me go over my top choices with you right now. Because some are more speculative than others, um, but these are the ones that are at the top on my list for projects that I think have the best chance of succeeding going forward. Uh, remember, the chances of any project like fully making it are going to be fairly low. Uh, but just like most venture capitalists, which is the role we are playing in this particular situation, if you can just get one out of every 10 or so right, you are going to be a very, very happy investor. Now, as far as open worlds go, these are the ones that I think have the biggest fail rate because I just don't know if these people understand how sticky these things have to be to win. But whoever is going to win this space is going to win tremendously. And out of the options that are out there right now, I do like Pavia, which is on the Cardano blockchain. If you want to go take a look at Decentraland and Sandbox and then go take a look at some of the things that Pavia is doing... I have a pretty good feeling you are going to see the same things I see. Now, how are they going to be sticky? I have no idea. I had brought this up before. If they can somehow tie an aspect of The Sims to an open world metaverse, I think that project has a much better success rate of winning than an open world that would not have something like that. So really anything to where you can up your status within that world And that status can unlock different aspects of that world that are not available to everybody else. Now think about that. Think about a world that has something like that compared to a world that doesn't. I don't think there's even an option at this point. And I don't know if Pavi is doing anything like this, but uh, this is why it's really important to follow and track these projects. It's like anything. It's, it's It's like finding indicators in Forex. You're gonna go through a lot of these and just be like, dumb, dumb, not interested, scam, dumb. Oh, this one might have potential. Okay, I'll follow it. You know, this isn't really super hard to do, um, but Pavia is one of those open world metaverses that I think has probably the best chance of all the other ones I've seen so far. Will it make it? I don't know, but I bought a couple land plots just in case. And because I got those plots early, I got dropped some Pavia coin, and that's what I got. Now, I'm much more heavily invested from an NFT perspective in the play-to-earn games. And out of my top projects here, um, you guys already know probably two of them at least, but two are on the Cardano blockchain, Cornucopius, which I've already done um, a podcast on, I think it's episode 50, and then Cardania, which I think has some really cool aspects, along with a really neat card game that's going to be woven into uh, the game itself, kind of like Gwent was with The Witcher, but probably it's probably going to factor in even more than Gwent did. Um, So I really like that project too. 
I think out of all the games out there, that those two games are going to be a lot more fun and interesting and sticky than a lot of what I've seen so far. And then there is one other project that is not on Cardano. And if you frequent the Discord forum, in particular the crypto subforum, you already know what this is, but for everybody else, you probably don't. But out of all the games out there, this is probably the one that I am pretty darn certain is going to win. Like, you would have to really convince me that it's not. Um, Now, unlike the projects on Cardano, you're going to have to spend a lot more money to get yourself invested into this one. And sorry to keep you on the line all this time and not tell you what it is, but I need to dedicate more time to it. It will be the subject of my blog post coming up next Thursday. So for those of you listening to this episode deeper into the future, that will be the August 11th, 2022 blog post. I will tweet that out if you follow me on Twitter. Uh, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, just check in to uh, nononsenseforex.com slash blog on Thursday, and it should appear uh, sometime throughout the course of the day. So as far as play-to-earn games go, in terms of risk versus reward, I like Cardania, I like Cornucopius. Uh, But in terms of highest chance to succeed, that is going to be the game I will profile in the blog. So look, you know, take advantage of these times when things are quiet. Not only are they quiet, they are cheaper than they were back when I was first buying NFTs and tokens for sure. You know, a lot of them are the same price or less in terms of crypto. But because the price of crypto has dropped so much, you're actually paying far less in actual fiat. So for reference, when I first started talking about these projects and I started buying up NFTs on Cardano, uh, the price of Cardano was anywhere from $1.10 to $1.40, and I thought I was getting a steal. Right now, Cardano is at $0.51, and a lot of these NFTs that I bought are priced in Cardano, and that price has either gone down or remained the same. So in fiat, you're still getting a huge discount here. So I hate to sit here and say that the people who came up with an excuse to do nothing are actually getting rewarded, but people who create excuses to do nothing are probably still going to do nothing, so screw them. Uh, But if you missed out on the first wave, now is your time. We have a better idea than we did before in terms of which projects have a real chance of making it. We can now see which ones are progressing better than their competition. We can see which communities are still strong and which ones have almost completely died off, which is a good indicator of how well these games are going to do in the future. My point is, whether you were getting in the early days, very, very early days of the metaverse, or you are just entering the game right now, the important part is that you enter the game. Because even though you're doing it when the world has pretty much stopped talking about the metaverse, but corporations are coming in on the down low, It does not make you anywhere near crazy. It just makes you very early. 